Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Hello everybody, this is Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown, joined in the studio by my co-host Michael Waits. Michael, how are you doing? I am super, Graham. Today's just been a huge day. Yeah. I don't even know why I think yeah. so. I started so early today. It just keeps going. Yeah. There's only 24 hours in the day. Hey, you know what? This is episode 400, episode 400 of Asia Tech <laughs> Podcast. We are rocking. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got, let's just a uh, quick overview. We've got the ATP Power Rankings, which we talked about in the last episode. If you missed that, we'll go over that again because there's been developments. Yep. You want to talk about some of these shows that you're doing, ATP Angels and ATP Crypto? Yeah, I mean, I want to talk. We already started them. We announced that we were going to roll out some new verticals. We've started doing that, so we should talk about that too. And then I want to talk a little bit more about crypto just because there's been a lot of activity recently, a lot of um, chatter, Mm. I would say, in the ecosystem but also some really interesting, also some really interesting developments that I that I'd like to talk about too. So, why don't we start at the beginning? Rankings. Um, yeah, and talk about the rankings. I mean, we introduced voting in a bunch of categories last week or the week before. I can't remember now. Um, you know, and what? how does it look like it's going? Well, yeah, exactly. Last week, I don't know if the listeners remember. I asked Michael to name his top three startup cities in Asia. <laughs> oh, are you going to call me on this now? I'm going to call you on it, right? <laughs> I'm not saying this is the definitive answer. It's just voting so far. So we've had 101 votes. Oh, no. Look at this. Yeah. Now, so Michael's favorite was Bangkok. And it's what we're looking at now. It's number four. It's sitting behind Singapore, Hong Kong, and Shanghai. But you know, it's only days yet, Michael. We still have until the end of the year. So we've still got a good two months to vote, 10 weeks to vote. But what were your what were your categories for this? You said Singapore, Hong Kong, and Fukuoka. Okay, so Fukuoka's last. So I back. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But I back number one and two. Yeah, exactly. So, hey, you know, maybe the startup ecosystem, the listeners, are onto something. But it doesn't matter. There's no right answer. It's just what do you think works for you. That's the point, isn't it? Everybody's got a different answer. Not everybody's the same. But I thought it was kind of interesting. The favorites are in there. Singapore and Hong Kong, Shanghai, Bangkok. Those are the four strongest ones. I think the winner's going to be one of those, isn't it? It's, I don't think we're going to see an outsider take that. No, but it's really interesting to me, right? Because I would have expected, and it's early, right? I and mean, we've got two and a half months until the voting closes. But I would have expected some more support from Jakarta, yeah. to be fair. Only because the population there is so big. Shenzhen... There's a lot going on there, but maybe they don't feel like they're involved as much in the startups. But, you know... Saigon too, right? So Ho Chi Minh City, you know, the Vietnamese are proud and frankly, they should be proud. Um, You know, we can talk about the verticals later, but I mean, I talked to somebody today from Vietnam and, you know, I think the stories that come out of Vietnam are amazing, really. And I I would expect it to catch up just because they're very proud, right? Mm -hmm. But um, if I had to pick a dark horse, I would say Jakarta. And I think that was one of the cities that was in my choices, right? Wow. Well, you know what? You only have to activate all the population there, and that's uh, well, that's the deal done, isn't it? It's game over for everybody else. See, the largest aren't they? The largest Twitter population in the world for a city. There's more Twitter users in Jakarta than there is in any other city in the world. I mean, it wouldn't be so surprising, right? Jakarta has to be one of the biggest cities in the world, anyway, right? Right. And with the, one of the largest concentrations of population. I mean, Tokyo probably has to be the most deeply concentrated city in the world, but mm-hmm. definitely the population, I think, in Jakarta is bigger. Um, and interestingly enough, right, we have Fukuoka on the list. No one has – and there is the ability to input anything you want, right? So you can pick your city, um, and no one's put Tokyo in. Well, Tokyo is in there. It's just off the list. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's off the top ten. So oh, okay. So it doesn't show so by default. It's 11 still. or something. Yeah. Yeah, but still, I mean, I think you're right. Look, Singapore's got 25%, Hong Kong has 20 Shanghai has 13 Bangkok has 12 And I mean, I think that's the bulk of it. And I, yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. I think Jakarta might rise a little bit, but the rest of it, I think, pretty much stays in some order that is associated with that. Right. So unless there's any radical change, the favorites are going strong. The four, <laughs> the four favorites are out there. So that's the best startup city. Do you want to have a quick look at some of the other categories and see if there's any surprises there? Yeah, so I actually like the names, right? The people. Yeah. 
I, I really want to figure out what's going on here. I mean, you know, Bay obviously has a really big following and I'm kind of, you know, I'm proud of him for going out and rallying the troops and getting them to vote for him, which is, which is fabulous. Like, I don't even remember who the people were that we seated this with, right? Because it yeah, was yeah. just feels like it was so long ago. But was he one of the originals? I know Casey he, was. Yeah, he was one of the originals. Uh, but, you know, that's only one vote, right? So he's yeah. obviously... Uh, but also, William, but William Balbine wasn't on this list, no, right? And neither was Kyle neither was Greg. Like, these people are coming in here and, like... Yeah, same with David Henson, same with Paul Santos, the Wavemaker. They're all new, so they yeah. will be nominated. Well, and you see Wavemaker recently just announced um, the closing of a really big fund, right? Yeah, I think it was over 60 or $70 million. So, yeah. I mean, clearly that team has a lot of influence, and as the face of that team, Paul obviously is going to be um, – he should get a lot of votes here. And by all accounts, a really great investor to have on your on your team mm-hmm. in the sense that he really pays attention. He's very thoughtful, very insightful. So, again, so, these things – what is it? Middle of October? Yeah. Yeah, we're not there yet. We've still got a way to go. But that's, um, that's um, the contribution. To, that's an indiv- that's award number one in our power rankings. Individual contribution to the Asian startup ecosystem. Yep. So who's the person that has made significant contributions to the tech startup ecosystem in 2017 in Asia? We're just getting started. So that's the individual. We've done the best startup cities. There are four other awards to give, which we'll give out at the end of the year including best VC fund, best startup event, best co-working space, and best startup media. Yeah, and also we said events, right? I mean, it's interesting to me the way these events are falling out. I think people love these, gig- you know, I don't like them so much, right? We talked about it. We had a whole show on this, right? Or maybe we didn't, but like Rise, there were like 15,000 people at Rise. And again, so Casey kind of falls in this in two categories, right? Because he was the organizer behind Rise. By all accounts, it was really amazing. I mean, I wasn't there, but everybody who was there said it was super well organized and they felt like it was a lot of fun. Slush is kind of the newcomer to the Asian region. They've been in Tokyo for a few years. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And I feel like Echelon and Tech in Asia are like the you know the old grand dames of the yeah. <laughs> of the event space here, and Caught they're mapping. holding in nicely. Yeah. Is there any in this and space is, that should be on there? Is there any uh, big startup events in Asia that aren't nominated yet, that aren't on this list? I, we, I, I don't know. I mean, what is the GMIC? Oh, that's the one in Jakarta, GMIC, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, but that's a nomination, right? Yeah, that's definitely nominated. So what does the red star mean? That's a nomination. So somebody put that in. Yeah, yeah, a recent nomination. Okay. Yeah. Recent nomination. Is it is it recent or is it just... Because I'm looking at the cities, so I guess Manila is a new city that yeah, just got yeah. put in. Yeah. And that yeah. means if I look at the list of people, so William Baubin, David Henderson, Paul Santos. I just want to go through this and make sure I understand it. Yeah. But like Rena Neo wasn't on the list originally, right? I mean, we yeah, put she like was. three or four. Yeah, she was. Oh, she yeah, was. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So that's that's startup yeah. events. Um, are you any surprises when you look at the VCs? I know we the VCs. The best VC fund in Asia. We don't have a lot of nominations. There aren't actually a lot of candidates, to be honest. But it's interesting that Golden Gate has got a third of the be- the votes. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going through this and looking at it and trying to figure out. So Global Brain, obviously, is a is a nomination, maybe a self-nomination, right? I can't yeah. be sure. But, you know, that's a great firm. And what is it? Kiming? 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 Yeah. yeah, it might be Kiming. From yeah. China. Yeah. They definitely someone nominated them, right? Because yep. that's not a very, I guess, famous firm outside of China, but a very famous and sort of well-developed entity that's been around for a while. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I think you mentioned in a tweet earlier today that like the top five people that ha- are having the biggest contribution yes. are all from China, right? So Bay, Casey, William Baobin, Kyle, and Greg Prudhomme. I mean, they're not Chinese, but they're all somehow related to what's going on in China. I thought that was interesting. And I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to see this play out a little bit, right? So Shanghai's in the top three for the best cities. Um, it's weird though, right? So Kiming is the only one there that really invests in China. Jungle does a lot of stuff in India. Not, not a big surprise there, Golden Gate Jungle, DNA. Where's Gree though? Gree historically has been there, very active. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I think the teams at 500, if they're good at nothing else, they're good at self-promotion. <laughs> should, I, should I be nice? Up to a point, but isn't there a point in which bad publicity is... I know people saying, no, not, there's no such thing as bad publicity. But bad publicity. Exactly. We've, they've gone to town on that this year, right? <laughs> I think uh, they've proven that wrong. Exactly. That's, well, that's kind of like giving the others an open door in the best VC fund. That's award number three. And then the, we, we talked about best startup event, which is award four. Then we've got these two other awards, which are best co-working space, which was really interesting because we don't have a lot of nominees, but the ones that we do have seem to got quite a lot of polarized votes i mean for example the hive bangkok are you a fan of the hive do you go there much i love the hive actually and if i had to pick a favorite space for me that is it i like the way it was designed i like the way they have sort of bespoke offices but a lot of open spaces too um it's very light and airy there's a cafe up on the what i think it's the fifth floor and then a rooftop where you can hang out as well i think they've done a really really good job there um it's neither too expensive nor too inexpensive. It, it was always really crowded. I don't go there as much anymore as I used to, but I'm not surprised that it's there. And that was nominated too, right? So, and I and again, just right below it, the Naked Hub, which is in China. in Shanghai. Again, China is really just trying to represent itself and represent itself well by doing the nomination. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder why that has got so many votes. Obviously, the people in Shanghai like the Naked Hub, so it'd be interesting to find out why that's the case. What's good about the Naked Hub? Like you say, with the Hive, yeah. is right. These guys are doing something right, so we want to know what it is. They are. They are. And, you know, they've opened up multiple places. I don't think there's a second one in Bangkok, but I think they have two locations in Hong Kong, which was where the original one was. And then there was, I think, I believe there's one in Singapore, but... Mm. I'll have to do a little bit more work on that. But like I said, the Hive I thought was a really great place and a great combination. And actually, they did their own events too. So they used to have movie nights. Oh, okay. It was those guys, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it's a good idea. So the last award was Best Startup Media in Asia, which has got the least votes because it's right at the bottom of the list. But it's interesting. The guys that we thought would be at the top are not at the top yet, right? So some of our friends, obviously, on we know most of the people who run media in Asia because we're part of the scene. I'm interested to see the podcast representation there. Obviously, Tim Romero, who's on our show in the next few weeks, and Bernard Leong, again, is going to be on our show. Jay Kim. Mike Michelini, you're not on there. What's going on? You haven't nominated yourself, right? So Yeah, but, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to actually see Mike this week as well. So right. be, I'll put a little pressure on him and find Tell out him. why. He's got a great well, show. Well, he well, should be in there. He should be in there. Right. If nothing right. else, he should nominate himself and see if he can get the rest of his team to support him. I also like the fact that Gung Lu yes. from Technode has gone out and probably nominated himself. Well, Technode's a great entity. I mean, it's a great startup channel, right? And it should be. It is, there. and it's very supportive as well, right? So exactly, and they're they're getting into podcasts now as well. So anybody that is building podcasts or you know supporting podcasts, we want to support them as well. So not that we're fav there's any favoritism at all, but I think these no, guys no, no. don't have the kind of resources necessary that the bigger media channels in Asia have. So we're all for that. Yeah, and and look, um, Jay is there as well. He's only got one vote. It's probably. Mine, actually. I don't remember. Did we vote in this category? I don't think I put my votes in for this yet. I did, yeah, but I'm not going to say who. Yeah, I mean, again, we, we, we already came clean on what our cities were. I wonder, should we tell everybody at the end, like at the end of the year, who we voted for or yeah, not? I'm, yeah, yeah, just... definitely. Yeah, I think why that's not? fair, right? Right. Uh, by the way, we're not allowed to nominate and vote for ourselves. No, we're not on this list. I mean, if somebody wants to put us in, yeah, fair enough, although I doubt that's going to happen because yeah. um, it will look like a little bit of self-favoritism. I'd prefer it didn't, but just um, I really want to see what people think about the media because it's important to me, actually, just yeah. as a participant and as a as a supporter across the board, right? Yeah, so, I mean, media really means everything in that space. It could, you could be a YouTube channel, you could be a podcast, you could be a magazine, newspaper, anything that's actively sharing the stories or news about what's going on in Asia. We want to get you on this list. So if you're not on this list already, if you go to asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings, asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings, if you click the vote now button, you can see the latest results. 
and you can also vote as well as well as nominate so if you're not on those lists or you know somebody that should be on the one of these lists then feel free we've got yeah, and I should 10 pro- weeks I should, yeah sorry I should probably say like as an old LP in Ardent Capital, Ardent took very small, and I mean very small, positions in E27's parent company, which is called Optimatic. Um, and also, now that I remember, a very small position in Hubba. Yeah, disclaimer. So full disclosure, a very small position in Hubba as well, mm. but small. All right, we'll let you. And by the time we're finished voting, like my vote's not going to matter in any of these categories anyway. So, but you should just say it. What were you saying? There are ten weeks left to vote. Is that is that it? We're not having the golden vote then. The golden vote cast well cast by the podcast hosts Graham and Michael. (laughs) We get extra extra waiting. Yeah, we get fifty each. Fifty. Ah, well, this is democracy. Unfortunately, we all get one vote each and only one vote each. So. I think that's the best, isn't it? Because the, the point is, I mean, obviously we want to celebrate who is the best at what they do in their sector, but we also want to know who else is out there because we only know a, a limited amount of what goes on in Asia, right? I mean, there's a lot that goes out, goes on. There's co-working spaces, events, people, VC funds that we don't know about yet. Yeah, I can't know everything, right? Right, so, you know, the fact that we take a lower profile in this vote is important so that we don't smother it and we let people put their nominations in as well that's what it's all about yeah and look i I, i'll go back to this i think it's really interesting that there are 15 names in this list Hmm. 15 people individual people i think there's going to be a lot more actually by the time the next 10 weeks are over i wouldn't be surprised to see over 20 maybe 25 people just it's just a gut feeling that i have Right. I think people are going to figure out, they're going to listen to it, they're going to hear their friends' interviews, they're going to hear the conversations that people have, and they're going to say, you know what, this year maybe it was um, Benjamin Joff, like maybe it was somebody else that's not on the list yet. I think people are going to continue to get nominated. It'll be interesting to see like how that plays out across the board. I, I think from the VC perspective and even from the event perspective, maybe we've kind of seen the totality of the um, – the people that will sit in those categories or the, right. the names that will sit in those categories. But from a people perspective, it wouldn't shock me to see another five or ten people out in. Oh, yeah, more, I'm sure. And some, some dark horses come in as well. Maybe shake it up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And Michael hasn't voted yet. No. <laughs> That's all oh, to go. He's, he's saving. He's I playing his cards did. close to his... <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's all good. So that's all to come. We've still got 10 weeks on the Asia Tech Podcast rankings. If you go to the website, asiatechpodcast.com, you'll see the link at the top, which says 2017 Power Rankings. It gives you an indication of the timeline in this. So until the end of the year, we will actually award these awards as well. We'll actually be giving something out. It won't be of monetary value, so don't get your hopes up. But it will probably be more valuable than a dinner with Michael. Something in between. <laughs> Are you undervaluing dinner with me? Well, exactly. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to manage their expectations. <laughs> dinner with Michael, of which the award winner pays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's not even go there. But yeah, agreed. So I think we will. We will give something out that that makes it worthwhile, so we can get the uh, the people who have made the contributions. We can get them properly credited. Right. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I think it's important. And then it's a good precursor to starting the voting again in um, June or July of next year for 2018. I mean, I want to keep doing this because I think it'll change. And I think it'll be interesting to watch how it changes over time, actually. Yeah. So that's the Asia Tech Podcast Power Rankings. As I said, go to the website and click the link at the top. Moving on, there's some new features on the website. In particular, we are going deep. We're going into... The world of angel investing and cryptocurrency. Well, those are the two that are coming up. Maybe we can talk about the first one, which is angel investing. We're deciding to build a podcast specifically for angels. It's called Angel, sorry, ATP Angels, all about angel investing in Asia. What's the reason behind this, Michael? So the reason is that angels as a group, I think, really benefit first of all, it's the earliest stage of investment in any kind of startup company, right? I mean, if you just eliminate the family and friends, and even in that position, even in that case, they're really angel investors as well. Mm. But a lot of angels feel like they're investing alone. They feel like they're investing in a vacuum. And the whole idea for this is how do you create a community and a supportive community, right? Because at that level of investment, it's not so competitive. It's more collaborative in the sense that 
you know, an angel by nature is an individual person. Mm. And they don't have a sort of large ecosystem around them or a large support system around them to say, is this what you really want to invest in? Or did you see this deal? And, you know, hey, I'm going to be in this one. Have you heard of that one? Or what do you think about this founder? What do you think about this sector? What do you think about this vertical? And if you're really concerned that you're investing alone, the only way to do it is to join a group of people. And that group of people, we think, actually should be not just local and not just regional, but as wide as possible. And to a certain extent, you know, we'd like to get angel investors, the bulk of them from Asia, so that they can communicate with each other about things that are going on here. But we'd also like to add at some point in, you know, angel investors from the rest of the world, too, because mm-hmm. to the extent that they've potentially, and that's just potentially, right, been investing from an angel perspective longer, they may have some insights to offer. Um into how that should actually work. Do you invest alone? Do you invest in a syndicate? You know, what's the right sizing? How much of your net worth should you invest? If you don't have a ton of money available, should you create a syndicate between you and your friends or you and your colleagues or you and just like-minded people in your community? And if you do, I mean, there are so many questions to ask, right? But if you do do any of those things, then do you create a syndicate that's just for one sector, for one vertical, for one country. In other words, how do you properly diversify? Do you understand asset allocation? Do you even understand the incumbent risk in investing at the angel stage? And if it's your first investment, do you like just throw all your money down on red number seven, which I don't think is the right idea, and you should not consider this like gambling. But you should understand what the statistics are around the successes and failures of angel investing. And again, the only way to answer all of these questions and none of them have definitive answers, right? But the only way to really answer those questions is to have a support system around you. And that support system is other angel investors just like you. Mm. So a key part of this podcast is to learn those strategies and share those ideas. Again, we don't have all the answers, right? And there, there isn't a handbook, no. really, for angel investors. And you're, you're out there alone doing this. So we're really learning from each other. So you had already, you've kicked this off. So this is asiatechpodcast.com slash angels. If you're interested in going and checking out some of Michael's most recent interviews with angel investors in Asia, you spoke to a couple of our friends, Ned Phillips, who'd been on the show before, CEO of Bamboo, who's also an angel investor, as well as Stephen Yu, who we know quite well based in Fukuoka. How did the interview with those guys go? You know, it's so interesting, right? Like everybody has a different view on how to invest. You know, do you invest? Is there a process that you have? Do you write down these sort of individual KPIs for your teams? Like at, do, what's the most important thing that you consider when you're investing in a company at the angel stage? So Ned, I think, had a really interesting view on this, that he invested in things that were really close to him, but also he did it more on a gut feel. In other words, mm. one of the things he said to me that was interesting was I kind of know within the first three to five minutes if I – trust this person if we have enough in common where I can really understand like what they're doing and why they're doing it. Do I have a good feeling about them? Right. And, you know, most of your sort of really famous and sort of well-experienced angel investors will say, you know, you better make sure that you like the people with whom you're investing. In other words, into which you're investing because you're not going to like them anymore later Mm. when things get difficult. And if there's already some sort of tension is really the wrong word, but contention is probably the better word. Um, before you invest, it's only going to get worse later because there are always going to be issues. There are always going to be ups and downs. And if you're not really happy, like, and I was listening to people talk about this today too, and Ned kind of mentioned this as well, and that is, would you want to be on the founding team? Like, if you really believe in the vision of the team, could you see yourself working on this team? Like, is that a test you should use? Just another sort of thing that that Ned alluded to. Um, And it gets back to that gut feel, right? Do I want to sit in an office or be remotely connected to these people every single day? Maybe that helps you decide whether you want to be an investor in that company or not. But an interesting perspective, right, that he had, which was, do I really like this person a lot? And how committed am I to even introduce them to other people and help them? And what's my gut feel on this, right? That was one of the things that I came away from with him. Do you actually Um, talk about in these interviews angel investments they've made are they specific or they're just sort of generic do they talk about specific companies do you talk about the amount of money involved so that's one of the yeah we did actually so if you if you listen to them you know ned has made five or six i believe investments some of them were great some of them weren't so great and you know the other really interesting thing that he said was 
when he began his angel investment career, one of his mentors said to him, I believe it was Ned. Yeah, this sounds like something that he would say. You know, even your bad investments, he said, uh, don't just put them in a drawer, close the drawer, and forget about it, he said, because a couple of years later when you open that drawer, it's going to smell really badly if they're right. failures. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you don't want to ignore them. You know, you don't necessarily want to over-focus on them and stress out on them. If they go badly, they go badly. But the idea is you're sort of paying tuition. You learn something. But don't let them rot in a drawer. Um, mm. You know, again, don't don't stress out about them so much. And definitely don't make the founder stress out about it so much. But, you know, don't just put them in there and forget about them. Because if you do, when you open it up and start looking at it again, boy, it's going to feel really badly. And you really haven't learned enough from it. If you just ignored it for a while mm. and it, it felt to me, and again, you'll have to listen to, to sort of get the full feeling of it. But, you know, Stephen is really deeply insightful, right? And Stephen's mm. made a big bet too, right? Because he moved from Singapore to Fukuoka. So he's, he's sort of making an investment on multiple levels, right? He's making an investment in a city. He's making an investment in companies. And Stephen's also been really good historically taking all the experience he had sort of as counsel at eBay and watching mergers and acquisitions take place and just sort of partnerships play out and saying, how can I find the best founders? And also, how can I help build the angel investment ecosystem, right? So they were looking at this from different perspectives too. And I think that Stephen's investments were maybe more regional than, than Ned's were necessarily. But again, they both just had a different perspective on it because they were coming at it from a different place. And remember, you know, Ned is now the founder of bamboo.life whereas Stephen has basically committed his you know mm. his future to building out the angel investment ecosystem you just see kind of as as we go on and talk to angel investors how some of them perceive the whole space in a way that's different but they both agreed on one thing and I think we'll see this over time is that if you don't do this without the input of other people whether it's best practices or just how they analyze companies you're going to make more mistakes than not. And if you can learn from what other people have done, I think that's going to be the real power is the community of this angel investment um, podcast. Mm. right? And the only people that we're going to interview here, not interview really, but the only people with whom we're going to converse, and we may go back, we're likely to go back to people as things change over time. We want What we really want to do is just build a really strong group and a community of people who are willing to support each other, teach each other, mentor each other, each other and help each other, you know, do the things that are really important to angel investors and that is, you know, increase everybody's deal flow in a way that makes sense, right? So you want to separate the noise, I mean, the signals from the noise, right? So only see the best deal flow. You want to be able to decide and not in a vacuum, but just with the help of other people doing the same thing that you're doing, what are the best deals? And as we talked about before, when we launched this, how can you get in? How can you make sure that even if you are an angel investor in the region, even if you see the deal, how can you make it so you don't get locked out of the best deals? Hmm. Right. And if you were to go back, just because what you're talking about is, is an earlier conversation we had on ATP 380. If you go to the website, yeah. you can find that. Where we talked about our plan of building a community for angel investors in Asia, right? Yep. We go into a bit more detail about it. If you go back to ATP 380, you can listen in on that and listen to what our plan was and what we're doing. But for the sake of this conversation, what Mike was alluding to is that the people we interview, so all the guests that go through on ATP Angels, we're actually building a small, I say small because it's intimate, I suppose is the better word, intimate yeah. LinkedIn group, which is only accessible by ATP Angels guests so people can share and, you know, it's not just about getting them on the show and sharing with everybody, but between that community as well, angel to angel, I think there's so much learning to be had, even though they, they come on and people may think, oh, these guys are experts about angel investing. We're not. They're not. Nobody is. Everybody's learning in this space. Right. So to put everybody in a community and to learn from each other is a key part of what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I think it's really important. And I think that the support you get from people that are doing the same thing that you're doing, even if they're not in the same city or in the same country as you, I think is going to end up making that group really powerful. Right. Did you have any aha moments when you did these interviews? I know you're an experienced investor yourself. So people may say, well, what's the point of me listening to these interviews? I know it all. Did you get anything out yeah. of them? In that, just, you know, give us a, I don't want you to give away the content that's in these interviews because I want listeners to go and listen to them, right? Because they, they, they need to listen to the content in context. 
but maybe you can give us a, a little bit of a, a flavor of what was going on. Well, I think one of the key things that everybody will say is that you play to your strengths, right? In other words, if you don't know the first thing about the blockchain, then maybe you shouldn't invest in it immediately. But even if you are going to, I think the biggest takeaway for sure is that start small, right? So your first investment should not be gigantic. If you've never made an angel investment before, um, even if you can afford to put $100,000 into something, put 10 grand in mm. just to see what it feels like. We used to do this all the time in the listed markets, right? It's like your position is more important in most cases than your price. This is one of the trading rules, right? But have a position. And the reason why you want to have it is because you want to be able to feel what it's like to be an investor. You can sit on the sideline and you can paper trade until you're blue in the face. You know this from the real estate market, right? Yep. And that is, you know, if you can't buy the property by yourself, get five people together and invest in it together. But do sure. something to, to get in, right, so you can feel it. And I think that's going to be the one of the big takeaways is that if you want to be involved, you don't – there's no – What's the right word? Like some people are so prideful that they want to have, you know, I was in for a hundred grand or two hundred grand and I made that big bet. But the reality is that you're likely to lose a lot at the beginning. Yeah. And if you're going to pay tuition, you may as well you may as well pay a, the least amount of tuition as possible. So go in for ten grand. Go in for five grand if you can. Maybe the best way to start is with a syndicate. And I think that's one of the things you're going to hear going forward is that the thing that most investors, angel investors, learn at the beginning is. You don't have to be so big so early, right? Hmm. Um, and, and I think that's going to, going to be one of the key takeaways. I know it is. I know it is for me. I like listening to it, and they say, "Yep, I invested in this one thing. It went bankrupt right away." <laughs> right. And I kind of knew it was wrong. And you know, again, Ned. I think one of the investments that he made was in. Um, I, I don't know if it was a magazine, but you know, one of the Ironman or triathlon kind of magazines. And I think he said to me, you know, as soon as I put that money in, I kind of knew it was the wrong thing to do. But again, you'll have. <laughs> But the key, yeah. exactly. But, the key it, but is, that was cheaper than buying a bike, right? So I don't know. This is uh, triathlete <laughs> to triathlete talk. Here. That was probably cheaper than buying a pair of wheels for one of those bikes, right? I was so. going to say. <laughs> so he learned a lot cheaper. more in the process. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the only way to do it. Right? Yeah. So your position, I mean, it's so important. I mean, traders will know this, investors will know this. Taking a position and just getting your foot in the door, even at any cost, right? At the lowest possible yeah. cost. And it's the learning process. Yeah, good. I'm looking forward to that when that comes out. So the Ned Phillips one is out already, but Stephen Liu is coming out next week. Next week, right? So if you want to go and check these out, go and check out asiatechpodcast.com slash angels. We also have an angel-specific newsletter, so you may not be coming back to the website every week, but if you're interested in angel investing, in particular, you don't have to be an angel investor, but you know this is relevant to startup founders. If you want to know how angel investors think, and you want to build your relationships, so you want to know who's who. So if you go to agetechpodcast.com slash angels, you'll already see two angel investors there. So you know who's who in the industry. And, you know, I think this is a big problem, isn't it, for startup founders is, is the randomness of the approach. But if you knew a little bit about who you're approaching. Absolutely. How important that is in terms of not just the pitch, but the, the whole relationship building, right? Yeah. Yeah, really important. And and I would say this too, and you know, again, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but if you're like a really credible angel investor and you don't, don't feel like your network is strong enough, let us know. I mean, talk to us. Let's see if we can get you in, get you on, and you can add some value to the group, right? Exactly. So that's Angels, which is the first Asia Tech Podcast vertical that we're doing. And one of many, and if you were to look at the Asia Tech Podcast homepage, you would see Things look a bit different because we're gearing up to launch a few verticals. I have my own one in AI, which is coming out in December. I'm not just, uh, by the way, I'm not jumping on the AI bandwagon because it's cool. You know, this comes up in some of the uh, interviews that I do. I, w I was an AI graduate in 1995, right? In I was going to say, most people probably don't know that, right? Right, right. In, in the last millennium. I was doing AI before it was even a thing. Before it was, you know, before even before it was a thing, right? Before you were a thing. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's so true. <laughs> Before I was a thing, I was doing AI. So that's AI. That's coming. Anyway, that's me. But there's a couple of others. Let's talk about... Do we want to talk about the pitch or is that too early? Should we just go talk about crypto? I wanted, I wanted. I definitely wanted... Let, let's do this really quickly, right? So the pitch is an idea that we've been working on for a while. 
The idea is that, and we've talked about this since the beginning of Asia Tech podcast, that we think that the methodology, at least that I, you know, the methodology that's been used to sort of speed date for pitching, that pitching competitions only give you two or three minutes to stand on stage and, you know, you'll get made fun of if your presentation doesn't go well because, you know, aren't you prepared enough? And I just don't think that that mechanism actually works well. Hmm. What I'd rather have is sort of a substantive conversation with a bunch of startup founders and have that be in sort of pitch format where we walk through with the founders, um, you know, the CEOs, the CTOs, the CFOs, the COOs, um, you know, the guys and gals that are doing that and just have a conversation with them about their company, why it's going to be um, transformational, why it's going to be disruptive. And just have them pitch us on what the idea is. If they are, in fact, raising money, that's, um, that's a benefit to everybody involved. And we want to leave it out there so that people can go back and listen to them. We want to have an archive of pitches out there that people can listen to and understand and, and then learn from as well, right? So if you're a founder and a company that pitches to us actually ends up raising money, then you'll learn from what they've done. And if you're a founder or if you're an angel investor and you want to hear the best pitches but you can't travel to every country and every location and every city, you can hear the best companies pitch to ATP. Mm. And if you are a you know, seed stage or a Series A investor, you know we're not just going to talk to companies that are pitching for the earliest stages. Just come pitch to us. It's even, if nothing else, it's great practice for you to understand what investors want because we'll approach it as if you're actually pitching to us for investment. And we'll ask tough questions about how you expect to scale, what your business model is. Is this really going to be revenue generation? Have you gotten your first customer? What's your revenue growth like? And we'll help you build a story. You know, one of the things that we do really well at ATP is we help people tell stories. Mm. We kind of tease those stories out of them. We've heard a lot recently of people telling us, wow, you did that really well. I don't really like speaking in public, but it was great to talk to you. It was cathartic, and you made telling that story really good. And we would encourage people, again, as we just talked about on the angel side, if you're a company that's pitching for capital, come to us. Let us vet it first, and then we'll see if we can get you on the show, if it makes sense, if you're at the right stage, if you're at the right level of development, if you're pitch worthy. Hmm. But come to us and let us do it, because we want to have a substantive conversation about it. We don't want companies to have to stand on stage and compete with six other companies in sort of a sub-competition that ends up at a bigger competition, because, frankly, nobody makes an investment decision um, in three minutes when they're comparing six other companies and it's really difficult to pitch like that. And I don't think that's the way the world normally works, right? We talk about it a lot. Like you don't marry the first person you dance with. And most dances are only three minutes long. So the idea for the pitch is that we'll get as many companies as we possibly can. If we do it twice a week, then so be it. But we just want to get the best companies to come and talk to us and walk us through the process of what their and the story of what their company is. So that it feels like a pitch to people. And then the entire universe of people that listen to the podcast, and if you go and look at where our audiences are, it's pretty well split globally. <laughs> and that's a good thing if you're pitching, right? Because today, mm. if you're pitching at an event here, you're really pitching to people that are only in Southeast Asia, which isn't a bad thing necessarily, but wouldn't it be neat if you could have people all over the world hear your pitch and have that pitch, I'm going to use the same word again, be substantive. Not just three minutes long, not getting yelled at by somebody who's never built anything before, but just because they have the joy of sitting in a chair and voting on you. Let's let a larger universe of people hear your story and vote on it. And we think that that pitch is going to actually end up being quite powerful. Yeah, and something you mentioned about getting access to a wider audience is a key part of this, which I think needs to be reinforced or highlighted. Yeah, is agreed. that, you know, the. If you do a pitch at one of these events, whether it's a demo day or one of these conferences where people get invited on stage to do their pitch, if you do that, you know, you have your three minutes or however long you're allocated and then that's it. You're done. You know, at that point, the guy or the girl that was going to invest in you may have been out of the bathroom, may have been taking a call, may have not been paid attention, whatever it is, may not have been in the mood, may not have turned up, whatever. But once you're done, you're done. It's kind of like a tweet, isn't it? The tweet is then lost into the right. ether. It just goes past the stream and then it's gone, yeah? Right, right. But the pitch, our idea is to say, hang on a second. Well, 
you know, we live in a world of Google where people don't necessarily pick up on just the content that was published in the last five minutes, right? Right. You know, if you want the best pitch and specific to your sector, which could be AI, for example, you don't just go and say, what was the most recent pitch in AI ever done in the world? You don't, that's not how it works. You want to say, I want the best one in the last few months, go back. So that's the point of the pitch is we can archive this stuff. People can go back and you can and listen, search it right? and you can listen to yes, it. Yeah, exactly. That is and, and the other thing we'll do, right? Exactly. And that's so powerful, right? And the other thing we'll do is we'll have contact information for people that want to give it out so that after it's done, you want to contact the people that we're pitching, call them, email them, yep. somehow get in touch yep. with them and they'll have their documentations in place as well. And they'll be able to share pitch decks and just other relevant information with you. But that's the idea, right? I think it's important to mention now is that the pitch is new. We're just getting started. If you are interested in getting on the pitch, my advice to you would be don't pitch us now. Don't contact us now with your pitch decks and your sales pitch. Leave that for now. Save it. The best thing you can do is go to asiatechpodcast.com and sign up to the newsletter or, and or subscribe to iTunes because get a feel for it first. Let us yeah, get up and idea. running, get a feel for it, get on there, and then come back to us. Because the worst thing you can do is blow your chance. It's like send us a, a pretty untargeted email, which you know will not necessarily be how we want to digest it and not the kind of things we're talking about. Just listen to the podcast. Listen to a few episodes. Listen to what really works. Then come back to us. You'll have such a better chance of success that way. Right, and that's that's what we want the whole point of this thing to be is to give you an opportunity as a startup founder or a founding team to be able to properly pitch. And remember, we're going to ask like real sort of in-depth questions about your business, and that means that other people will be able to listen to that question and answer in a way that they've never been able to do before in the region, right? And we think that that's really important. And remember, we've both made investments across the board in different sectors. We understand how this works. And this is really to give the best companies a platform to be able to pitch to a much larger audience they would normally be able to do at a demo day, which I think, which I'm on record as saying is I think it's a terrible way to, to meet investors. Okay, let's talk about crypto, Michael, because this is your hotspot. And we've got a, an ATP vertical coming up, which is all about cryptocurrency, crypto, blockchain, Ethereum, whatever, ICOs. Yeah. So we had a real, so today we launched, um, we launched crypto, ATP crypto, right? Again, this is something we've been working on for a while. Um, we've been doing a lot of work on it. If you read our blog, so if you look at the asiatechpodcast.com slash blog, you'll see we've posted a lot of stories. And again, these are real stories with real opinions about real data and stuff like that. We want people to understand what's going on. I believe that there's a secular change in the world about how, and w- about how the distributed ledger technology, the blockchain, Ethereum, and similar technology is going to change kind of every vertical where trust is involved, you know, where there's automated, um, excuse me, contracts, smart contracts, really any industry can be impacted by what's happening on the blockchain. And today, um, you know, had an amazing conversation we launched today. So Edmund John Lowell, who runs a few companies, um, Today, we spent a, you know, a good hour on the phone today, right, talking about flag theory, talking about KYC and AML stuff. So that's Know Your Customer. He runs a company called KYC Chain. Chain, obviously, is for the blockchain. Um, and he also has a foundation that um, deals with identity, self-sovereign identity. And the whole concept is if you look at the crypto space, one of the tenets is that the, there's this concept and idea of decentralizing information so that not one entity alone owns all of your individual data, but you actually own that data yourself. And, you know, one of the examples we discussed today, again, without giving away the entire episode was, you know, Equifax. So Equifax Mm. is a company that has all of this data, something like 30 million pieces, people's data. It's a lot of data. And what it means is that if you're a thief, right, in the same way that, like, why do thieves rob banks? It's like that's where all the money is and it's all concentrated in it. They could go to everybody's individual house in a neighborhood, even in a rich neighborhood, but there's more money in a bank. And Equifax is a big target. The idea, though, that is if you apply the blockchain to the distribution of all this information, you have multiple nodes where the where the data sits. And 
it may be the case that your data in and of itself is not that valuable, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody, like, what would you rather do, steal one person's wallet or go rob a bank? And I think that that's one of the conversations that we had. And I will say this, and I think it's going to continue to be this way. Because we're at the really early stages of development, and you can make the case that, you know, the original white paper for the blockchain and for Bitcoin was published a long time ago, and that's fair enough. We've actually already had sort of three distinct eras in in the blockchain lifespan, you know, one back in 2011, which kind of went pear-shaped, 2013 and 14 as well, where, you know, people got all excited about it. But I think 2017, this is really mainstreaming. And I think, like I said, there's a paradigm change and a secular change taking place. And I believe really strongly that the conversations that we have in this topic weekly are going to be really, um, <laughs> what's the right word? They're going to be really vibrant. Yeah. And, and deep you know, as well. About, I mean, it's so yeah, specific. It's deep, technically deep, right? So if you're right, interested right. in this topic, if you're, yeah, and you make a really good point. If you're interested in this topic, this is not going to be a place where like we're learning how to spell Bitcoin. I mm-hmm. think everybody who listens is really going to know already. And there will be some, you know, differences of opinion, I believe, on what the significance is of it. You know, did the Chinese really stop all of Bitcoin forever, all of Bitcoin mining forever? Or are they just trying to come up with a regulatory framework? Did they hit the pause button? And I think you're going to hear a lot of differing opinions about this and differing varied opinions on it as well. So even people that agree will probably disagree on the minutia. And I think that's where the real fun for me is going to be. Like the conversation we had today was just awesome mm. and i think it could have gone on and on but i think that's going to be the sort of the tone and the nature of the conversations that take place in this vertical because it's still really early days and we can talk about you know how what is the hkma going to do to regulate this what is the mas going to do who's going to be at the forefront of it are the chinese who do most of the mining because they have access to cheap energy um for the bitcoin block like how is that all going to work and I think that as you see this develop on a week-by-week basis, you know, again, we want to build a really tight community around this, but we want to get people in that have different opinions because there are different opinions on this. You know, what, which chain is going to be better? Which vertical is going to be affected more by it? Is it all fintech or is it logistics as well? How does it, you know, how is it going to change the, um, the ability for people to do counterfeit and fraud, right? right. How secure is it? How does, how does quantum computing change your ability to decrypt things and then what does that do to cryptography in general cryptology overall we were having this discussion offline today with somebody but all these topics are really interesting to me and as with every other vertical you know we don't have a monopoly on the right idea and we don't have a monopoly on all the right information either the idea for us is to build that platform where there can be a positive exchange of ideas in the crypto space and we can all say things like this like jamie Dimon, who came out last week and said anybody who buys cryptocurrency is dumb and will end up paying for it but it was just weird right paying for it what does that mean but did did he come out and say like in the 80s that anybody who bought the brazilian real or real was dumb and they'll end up paying for it you know there's a concept that that maybe every ico is a scam and we can argue about this i don't believe that at, at all but is it any more of a scam than a normal venture capital funding for a company like color that raised 43 million dollars spent it all, like and it just that money just vaporized so it's, you know kind, I mean? it's kind of important that you give the other side's perspective when I mean, you mentioned jamie diamond who if people don't know jamie diamond is the ceo of jp morgan jp morgan chase, JP morgan, yeah. chases yeah so, so yeah, I mean, he, he's got a lot i mean the thing is like for somebody like that to come out he's got a lot of gravitas i know he's a very controversial figure he's a very unforgiving figure right He's out there doing his thing. He's on the news networks. He's saying this. That has a lot of influence, and it has certainly has a lot of influence in the financial community. But who's going to now give the voice of the other side? I know there's a lot of people talking about Bitcoin, and it gets a lot of coverage, but who's actually out there planting flags? And that's the goal of ATP Crypto, isn't it? It's to give a platform for these people to give the other side of the coin, no pun intended, but that's what it's about. Yeah, and it also gives the, you know, again, it creates a platform for people to exchange those ideas. I mean, I'm on the record, and I wrote this on the blog, and I won't take it down. It says Jamie Dimon's been right a lot. He's been a billion dollars of right, right, because he is a billionaire. He's one of the few people, the few CEOs that came out of the financial crisis in, you know, 2007 and 2008 and nine as a billionaire. 
um, because he probably went in and bought stock of his own company. But that doesn't necessarily make him right all the time or this time, right? He's super astute, and I'm kind of quoting from what I wrote. These are my words, right? Um, but if it's implemented properly and carefully, the, all this distributed ledger stuff, it has the opportunity to disintermediate, right, to eliminate the necessity for a lot of the ways that Jamie Dimon and his companies have made money. And this is fear. This is visceral fear on their part. And what they're really trying to do is make it you know, trying to sort of blame a whole bunch of negative things on people that they've never met that they don't know to protect their own vested interests, yeah. right? And yeah. if you disagree with that, you know, let me know. But I don't think that anybody who's really crypto interested will say that the vested interests, at least in the financial world, are trying to protect, protect the waves that make money. And to be fair, and I was having this conversation today, right? The SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States and even globally, at least in the U.S., it's a self-regulatory body. So that means that if you used to be the CEO of Bear Stearns, you're now sitting as the head of the SEC and now you're regulating your friends. It's just a weird thing to me. Um, so, of course, you're not going to want to have your friends disintermediate and have the way that they earn their income taken away. And that's what the, the, the opportunity for the blockchain to do that and crypto in general to do that is, is a, it's a non-zero probability. So you're going to see a lot of noise. And Fink as well came out. I think he's the head of... Um, Blackstone or KK, I can't remember, came out and said some similar things at the same place that uh, Diamond was speaking. And I think over time, those guys know exactly what they're doing, right? They can say whatever they want, but in the shadows, they're probably out there buying Bitcoin too. And D Diamond was actually quoted as saying, you know, if anybody that works for him, and that's a lot of people, right? Think just how sprawling the JP Morgan Chase empire is, is trading Bitcoin, they could potentially get fired. Wow. But this is the type of stuff that people are saying. And we want to just have a platform where People can talk about, you know, does that make sense or is it senseless? So we started that today. I think I think actually the first conversation went really well, and I think it's going to set the tone when it gets released for the types of conversations that we're going to have. And again, just to put this in perspective, okay, ICOs have raised more Maybe than two yeah. billion dollars in 2017 alone. How does that compare to the VC community? I don't know, but let me just put it to you this way. If you go to coinmarketcap.com and you look at the amount of cryptocurrency that gets traded every day, it's about a billion and a half dollars. Yeah, there you okay? go. Okay. And is that is that a lot or a little? You don't know, but I will say this. It's about equal to the amount of Google shares that get traded every day. So just think about the amount of liquidity that that is. And would you say that the share trading in Google is a scam? Yeah. You would. But then how can you say the trading of a billion and a half dollars of cryptocurrency every day is a scam? It's just not, right? And that's kind of the equivalency that I want people to think about. But again, if you disagree, I'm happy to be disagreed with. People disagree with me all the time. Come let us know why. And listen to the podcast and let us know what you agree with and what you don't agree with. And then definitely sign up for the newsletter and find out what people are really thinking in the context of what's happening in this space. Yeah, we want some really vibrant debate. On all of these verticals, right? Because I, I guess the reason why we can have that debate in these verticals, whether it's AI or it's crypto or it's angels, whatever it is, I think we can accept that the listeners, the people who are tuning in and taking part, participating in this debate in the sense that they may be tweeting us or whatever, have a vested interest. They're curious they're open to learn something and you know they're not starting from zero so when you talk about crypto people pretty much know what's going on so we can have that vibrant debate because we're not having to think okay we have to make this we have to water this down for everybody right we'll have to be everything no that's to not going to happen exactly so we yeah. want to make it real specific really focused something to somebody rather than everything to everybody that's the name of the game with these verticals you can go and find them go to agitechpodcast.com and you'll see our new show is up there on the front page. So you can click. Right, so that'll be what? Six shows we're going to have already, right? Yeah. Six and counting. And that's not. Yeah, and counting, because that's not the end, right? I mean, you know, we don't like to pre announce things that, that we haven't fully formed yet, but there are at least a few other shows that we're in discussions with with people um, that I think will be really exciting. So we have more shows in development, and we're just going to continue to be the fastest growing. Um, podcast network in, in Asia, yeah? We are. We've done, just check this out, Michael, you'll like this. We've done 113 shows in terms of we've produced 113 <laughs> shows. We've got about another, I mean, 
If you've ever seen our production who's doing, pipeline... Who's you, doing all that work? Yeah, no, exactly. I'm amazed. Whoever that... They give that guy yeah. a medal. That he, guy he deserves a, a medal. He should be on the power <laughs> rankings. The, the, the most unre- underrated business God. partner award. <laughs> anyway, 113 oh we've produced, but we've got a whole bunch more in the pipeline as well that haven't yet been finalized, but we've recorded them. So there's about another 30 yeah. or 40. There's 150 odd there. Yep. And that's all within, I don't know, how long have we been doing this now, Michael? Nine months. Nine months, most. yeah. yeah. And most, most of it's yeah. been in the last three months, yeah? Easily. Yeah, there you go. Easily. So there's so much more to come. That's asiatechpodcast.com, everybody. If you want to go, just a quick recap of what we talked about today. The power rankings, go to the homepage at the top. You see 2017 power rankings. Vote and nominate. You don't have to vote on all the categories. Just vote on what makes sense to you. But help us identify who and what has made the biggest contributions to the startup ecosystem in 2017 in Asia, as well as the upcoming verticals. In particular, go and check out ATP Angels if you're interested in other angel investors or your startup founder interested to know what angel investors think and how they operate. That's asiatechpodcast.com slash angels. Again, you can see it on the homepage. We've got a couple of shows up there already to get you started. There's more coming, one every week, as well as a specific newsletter and a, well, to come, a feed for iTunes if you just want to listen to Angels podcasts. And the same with crypto. So that will be out next week if you're listening to this on the archive. You can go and find that now. Go to asiatechpodcast.com slash well it won't be up yet but it will be at crypto you can go and check out the latest crypto episodes there as well as any other of the vertical sectors that take your interest that's ai the pitch and so on more to come more next week michael really good show today a lot covered do you want to give people a heads up on what's coming in the next couple of weeks as we are super busy yeah, I mean, there's just going to be more and more and better and better quality for the conversations that we're having on ATP stories. You know, as Graham said, ATP um, Angels, we think it's going to be paradigm changing for the way angels get to interact with each other and just people get to listen to their opinions. A lot of what's been happening in the angel investment community has been happening, you know, quietly. And I think that the angels are happy to share what their perspectives are. Um, the pitch is something I'm super excited about because it gives startup companies a place to sort of pitch and hone their pitch and think about how they're going to pitch to a much wider audience, right? And then crypto, I think, is going to be a really sort of big back and forth and, as we said, very vibrant conversations about what's happening in the crypto market, which is still in its developmental stages. I still think it's really early there. So all this stuff is really exciting. Well, I'm really looking forward to that crypto one. I'm going to tune in. I'm a bit of a beginner in terms of the technology side i said i have invested in bitcoin but i think in terms of what the blockchain's doing that's all excited so i'm going to follow that one avidly hey by the way a lot of people are contacting us about the tour I just want to update people on that it's mid-october oh, right. now yeah so yep. i thought that'd be quite good we, we kicked the tour off we did shanghai tokyo fukuoka bangkok took a little bit of a break a regroup i'm back in london for a few weeks we're back in asia um and we're going to kick the tour off again so i mean we did promise that we would be in Singapore and in Saigon, plus a few other cities as well. If you're interested when we're going to be there, we're going to kick things off. Uh, you know, just follow the podcast. What we're doing, and basically the situation, I've taken a little bit of a break from Asia. I've had to get out so I could uh, sort my head out and get things back to back on track. But the the other th- the key thing here is the get these verticals up and running. So we're focused on doing that, and we will be back. Um, towards the end of November, I think, mid-late November. Yep. More cities, more tours. We'll be organizing a few events in each of these cities as well as bringing our roadshow to the cities. That should be exciting. So if you're interested, what's the best thing they can do at this stage, Michael, if they want to know about us getting to the cities? Yeah, I mean, so obviously follow us on our Facebook page um, at the Asia Tech Podcast Facebook page, look at us tweeting, Asia Tech Pod. Graham also tweets on his own, Graham Brown, and Michael Waits as well. Um, and you can always email us too. Yeah. And if you're not on our newsletter, sign up to our newsletter. Definitely. We've seen a lot of signups. It's like it's yeah. growing really quick actually as well, which is exciting, right? Because that's, again, t- helping us build a community. So, And people replying to our newsletter as well. We love that. We, we, we get every reply that... Everybody that replies to our newsletter, we get all of those to our inbox. So don't think you're replying yeah. to some robot. You know, it no, goes to a human being. So we read every one of them. And if we think it's worth 
replying to it, then we'll get back to you. And, you know, usually a lot of them are worth replying to, right? So yeah, feedback is definitely um, it's it's definitely we like it. We like it. We love it. AsiaTechPodcast.com, voice of the Asian tech ecosystem. You've been listening to Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, Graham. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.